The following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. Good morning, church. Good morning. Um, If I haven't met you yet, my name is Kyle Knight. I'm the youth pastor and one of the elders here at Fathom Church. Uh, Glad that you're joining us here this morning. If you're joining us online, we're glad that you are here with us as well. Um, We're going to get right into it. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17, uh, open up your phone, your tablet, whatever you've got, or the Bible's underneath every chair. That can be found on page 823. We're going to be in verses 24 through 27 of Matthew chapter 17. So we want you to have this in front of you so you can see it. Um, but, but I want to get right into our text because there's a lot, uh, lot to deal with here. Uh, for those of you who have already kind of opened it up and see where we're at in uh, verses 24 through 27, you can see that uh, there's a subheading there. In most Bibles, there's a subheading kind of telling what this, uh, what this passage uh, is about. And in most Bibles, you will see that it says the temple tax. So the, the temple tax, and maybe you're thinking, great. We're going to talk about taxes. Um, uh, You know, we've the last few weeks, we've had um, Jesus's transfiguration uh, up on the mountain. Uh, Then last week, we had Pastor Chris talking about Jesus and his disciples coming down from the mountain. And and there's a boy with it with a demon and Jesus heals uh, that boy. Uh, So now it looks like we have a few verses on on taxes. So stick with me here, okay? Um, I know some of you might be thinking, this is, this is great. This is going to be a, a, an interesting morning. But um, I, some of us might be, we, we might want to skip ahead. We might want to uh, skip ahead to chapter 18 and talk about the disciples, talk about who's the greatest or more sin or the lost sheep, but we don't skip verses here at Fathom. Um, and there's a lot to talk about here. Um, so, so we're going we're gonna to talk about this. And like I said um, at the top, these, these verses are about taxes, but they're not. Okay, they're, they're about taxes, but they, they kind of aren't. So uh, let's buckle up and let's, let's talk taxes. Um, so uh, first of all, just to set this up, this, this few, these few little verses called the temple tax can only be found here in the gospel of Matthew. Okay, we, can't, we don't see it in any of the other gospel accounts, which makes sense because uh, Matthew, being a former tax collector, of course, he would put this, he would want to include talking about taxes in his his book, of course. He liked money. So, um, so you can thank Matthew for this one whenever you see him. Um, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to read this. We're going to read this whole little passage, and then we'll go back and kind of uh, break it down for you as we read it. So follow along with me as we read Matthew chapter 17, verses 24 through 27. When they came to Capernaum, The collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the tax? He said, yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first saying, what do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take toll or tax from their sons or from others? And when he said from others, Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. However, not to give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook and take, this, take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. 
So this interaction starts with Jesus and his disciples uh, making their way to the city of Capernaum, really back to the city of Capernaum. This is their, this is their hometown. This is kind of, kind of Jesus's hometown, Peter, James, and John. This is their hometown. So they're, they're back home at this point. Um, so it says, the collectors of this two drachma tax came up to Peter and asked him a question. And that question is, does your teacher not pay the tax? Does Jesus not pay the tax? Now, I want to take a little bit of time to go into what this tax is, okay, before we get into Peter's response and then ultimately Jesus's questioning of Peter about this. Uh, but this tax, the temple tax, it's called, a little history about that tax. The temple tax was a once a year tax that was imposed for the upkeep of the temple. Okay, so for the upkeep of the temple, this was a tax that was directly for the temple to keep it clean, to keep it, uh, keep it looking nice, to, to fix things in the temple, you name it. Kind of wish we had that for this room a little bit. It's not leaking in the back for once, which is great. Yes, that is a good thing. Um, but now for, for this temple tax, a, a drachma was about a day's wage, so a day's wage, so because it was a two drachma tax, they would pay two days wages per year, once a year, uh, just for the upkeep of the temple. Now, I know some of us might be thinking, well, that's not that much. Like that's, that's no, no big deal, one, once a year, two days wages, but it really was a, a lot. And for all just the upkeep of the temple, so these tax collectors come to Peter. Okay, I find it interesting they come to Peter to ask a question about Jesus, but... Um, that's fine. They go to Peter and has, has your teacher not, not paid this? Has your, has your teacher paid this tax or not? And, and so Peter's kind of put in a weird spot. He has to answer for Jesus. Um, I don't know if Jesus is a little bit further off or, or what, but he's got to answer this. And we, he answers with a simple response of yes. One word, yes. Now, I'm not an English or grammar, grammar um, professional here, but I passed my classes um, I passed him, but it's interesting the way the question is asked, right? Does your teacher not pay the tax? Implying here that they, they assume that Jesus does not pay the tax, right? And, and Peter's one word response in yes, to me, like would, would answer that question kind of in the affirmative, meaning like, yes, that's correct. My teacher does not pay the tax. And I mean, maybe, maybe Peter didn't know. Maybe, maybe he did know. Okay, but maybe he didn't know if, if Jesus had paid this temple tax or if he, if he was going to. Again, they were just coming back home. They were coming into town, coming back home. So, so maybe Jesus had paid it. Who knows? But from what we see in Jesus' response later, a little bit later on in these verses, we could assume that he does pay this, this tax. So it's kind of interesting, Peter's one-word response. It's not like Peter at all to have just a one-word response. Um, but he answers this question, whether Jesus has paid this temple tax or not for this Jewish temple to upkeep it in, in Capernaum. So now if we, if we take a little bit deeper dive into this temple tax, we'll learn a few things, okay? And so one of the interesting things we'll learn about this temple tax in the city of Capernaum is, is who is collecting the tax, Right? Who's collecting the tax? These were, these were Jewish tax collectors, uh, like, like Matthew was, collecting this temple tax. And we also learned that this, is, this tax was not an obligation. Okay? It was not a mandatory tax. 
right? So we, we, have, we have Jewish tax collectors coming and trying to get, to get the other, other Jewish people of Capernaum to pay this voluntary tax to upkeep the temple. Um, another interesting thing about the, the history of this tax is that throughout history, there were, there were a few types of people that were exempt from paying this tax, that didn't have to pay this tax. One of them were rabbis. So rabbis did not have to pay the temple tax, Right now, um, they they might have paid it. They might have paid it like once in their lifetime um, to, to to do to do good, but they were never asked to pay it. Rabbis were exempt from that, and then the other group that was exempt from that were the poor. Obviously, the the, the poor were not forced to were not asked to pay this tax. So with all that, the, the, the question from these tax collectors was: Does your you know does your teacher does your leader does he pay the tax or not? might have been a better question of, does the, we're, we're thinking, does Jesus have to pay the tax? Or should Jesus be paying this temple tax? And I mean, here, here's the thing is, is we, we learn a lot about what Jesus thinks about the temple and, and Jesus' connection with that, especially later on in Matthew. Um, in Matthew chapter 21, he calls the temple a, a den of robbers, now, he, he says that because of what's going on in the temple at that time. This is when Jesus is flipping over tables. In the t- we all love that passage, Jesus getting a little angry, flipping over tables, because he says that they've, they've turned it into a marketplace. They're, they're buying and selling things in the temple. And so that's, that's really important. But maybe even more important is Jesus' relationship with this temple, because like that, like that story in, in Matthew chapter 21 of Jesus flipping over tables and everything like that, what, what does he say? If you remember that passage, what does he say? He says, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it into a den of robbers. So he says, my house. The temple was God's house, Right? The temple that, that these Jewish tax collectors were taking this voluntary tax for in order to kind of upkeep it, upkeep it was, was for the house of God. And remember, they, they believed that, that this is where God would dwell inside this temple. God, Jesus's father, Jesus, right? We're talking, we're talking Trinity here. So to summarize this, like Jesus is being asked through Peter to pay uh, this tax for the upkeep of his father's house, right? His, his house, ultimately. And I've got an answer for Peter, man. I've, I would have answered this for Peter and been like, um, no, like he, he's probably not going to pay it, right? It, it, wouldn't, it really wouldn't make sense for Jesus to pay this, right? At least it doesn't for us, but maybe to them, you know, they're thinking, even though it's voluntary, everybody should pay this tax, right? It was voluntary, but then it, it also kind of wasn't. So they ask him, does your, does your teacher pay this tax or not, Peter? And, that's, and what's crazy is that's all we get from this interaction. That's all, that's all we get. That interaction stops after Peter's simple yes, and from there it kind of moves on, uh, but this conversation doesn't stop, right? We'll hear about what Jesus asks Peter and what he talks about taxes here in just a, a, a second. So follow along with me again as we, we kind of go back and reread this a little bit. In verse 25. So they say, they say to Peter, does your teacher not pay the tax? And he said, Peter said, yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him, spoke to Peter first, saying, what do you think, Simon? 
For whom do kings of this earth take toll or tax from their sons or from others? And when he said, when Peter said from others, Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. So it, it, it seems that they get where they're going, right? Presumably this is, this is Peter's home. So they've reached Peter's home. And, and, and mind you, Peter hasn't said anything to Jesus about this. He had somebody ask him, they've asked him this question about Jesus, but he gave the one word quick answer. Um, and that was it. He hasn't brought this up to Jesus. Um, but of course, Jesus asks him a question first, uh, talking about this specific thing that Peter was just asked for, right? You know, Jesus does this a lot where he kind of knows like what's being said about him, what's being asked about him all over the place. It's like he's God or something. I don't know. Um, but he knows, like he, he, he gets this. And it says he, he asked him first saying this. Um, and so Jesus talks to Peter. He asked Peter about these taxes and he calls him Simon, which is really interesting. His old name, Right parents in the room. Like, I feel like this, this is kind of like a, I feel like this is a, when you say your, the, your kid's full name, like first, middle and last name, how, you know, like that's somebody's in trouble when it's first, middle and last. This is different in a weirder way that he's calling him by his previous name that he changed for him. It's, I, I don't know what that means, but maybe, yeah, yeah. It, it must mean something, um, something more. And so Jesus just asked him, Hey, so, so Peter, who do you think kings of this earth take their taxes from? Like their, their own sons or from, from everyone else? And what Jesus is doing is he's asking this question, but he's putting uh, some earthly examples on it so Peter can kind of understand this. He's saying, who do kings and rulers demand taxes from? And he gives them two options, you know, from his sons, from their own sons, their own family, um, or from everybody else. Like, like, what do you think, Peter? Now, again, uh, like, I, I think maybe Peter's one word answer to the tax collectors and him not bringing it up to Jesus meant that maybe he just didn't, he didn't really want to discuss this. This he's kind of put in a weird position. Um, I'm sure he wanted to move on from this, but, but Jesus wanted to teach him something really important along with us too. And, and Peter answers that question correctly again too. Way, way to go, Peter. Uh, Peter says from others, right? Of course they would tax Others like like kings wouldn't tax their own sons or whatever, but they would they would tax everyone else. And Jesus is like, right. And then he adds, the sons are free. Now, obviously, there's de there's deeper meaning here besides just taxes, but they're but they're ta talking taxes. That's not the whole main point of this 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 section here. So if you're hoping to get um, a sermon about taxes. Sorry to disappoint you. I know you're very disappointed in that. Uh, but Jesus is using this question that was asked about Peter about taxes to, to teach a bigger lesson. And this is why we don't skip sections here at, at Fathom, because we, we don't want to miss what he's saying here. Peter's answer is correct. Yes, the, the kings and rulers are, are, are not going to take taxes from their own family. That would be silly. Sons and daughters of the king, like their, their family, they're part of the family. So, so they don't need to. They wouldn't be demanded this, this tax. They'll demand it from everybody else. But, but those who are, who are inside the family are, are, are covered. Um, it would be like me uh, putting a sign on our front door of our house that, that said you could come in and, and use the bathroom for $2. Right. So you can come in and use my use my bathroom if you want to for for two dollars. And then and then if my my six year old or even my two year old daughter was like um, needing to use that same bathroom, it would be silly for me to say, all right, two dollars. 
I mean, that would be kind of awesome. That would be kind of nice to get a little extra cash, but, but I'm, I'm not going to do that. Like, that just wouldn't, it wouldn't happen in our house. Why? Because they're my family, right? They, they have the, the family benefits of living in the home. Like, they can use those bathrooms whenever they want. They don't have to, to pay for them. Now, don't worry. If you come over to my house, you can use the bathroom. I won't make you pay for it. I promise. Um, but what Jesus is really saying here to Peter, he's saying, he's saying, hey, Peter, whose temple is this? Right? Like, whose house is the temple? Who's ho- who's, whose house is it? Yeah, it's, it's God's temple. It's God's house. And so he's saying, stick, stick with me, Peter. Who's God's son? It's like, yeah, yeah, I am Peter. So really, I shouldn't have to pay this tax, right? If the sons don't have to pay the tax for the king, like who's the real king here? Who's the, who's the son of the king? Who's this temple actually for? Jesus is saying like, I shouldn't have to pay this tax because I'm, I'm in the family. Like I am the family. This is my, it's my house. I'm the son. I'm, I'm the one who the temple is for. Like I'm, I'm covered in paying this. I'm free. So Jesus is making it clear that he really shouldn't have to pay this tax because of who he is and whose the temple it truly is, and that's his. So just so we're clear, we've got this temple tax that's voluntary, but the Jewish tax, tax collectors really want people to pay for it, except for ra- rabbis don't have to, right? This tax that key is, is to upkeep the temple, keep it clean and everything. It's not offered to the, it's not mandatory for the king's sons and daughters because they are family. So, so technically and definitely Jesus does not have to pay this tax. Now, hear me, this is, this is not me saying don't pay your taxes, okay? If you get that out of this sermon, I'm sorry. We'll see how that goes for you, okay? Um, However, I, I want to focus on what Jesus says once he makes it clear that, hey, Peter, like I am the son of God, remember, who dwells in this temple. I am family. Like this thing is my, like I'm free from, I'm exempt from this. And so let's see what happens next of what Jesus says. So, so follow along in verse 27. So he says this after Jesus says, so the sons are free, verse 27, however, not to give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. So he's made it clear. He doesn't have to pay for this tax. And yet he goes ahead and pays it anyways. Okay, or at least, he, at least we see that he tells Peter to go and do this Right, and the, and the way he does it is Jesus doesn't just reach into his pocket and pull out, you know, two drachma, right, to, to cover himself or even four to cover him and Peter. That's not Jesus's style here. Um, Jesus tells Peter to go fishing, which, if you remember, Peter was a fisherman, right? So he's pretty much telling Peter, "Hey, go, okay, go, go, do what you love to do," right? And this is free for all the fishing enthusiasts in the room. Um, this, is, this is the one and only time in scripture where fishing is done by hook and line, right? Every other fishing is done by net, so do with that what you will. Probably nothing, but that one's free. So Jesus tells Peter, hey, go cast a line. And the first fish you catch, the first fish you catch will have a shekel in his mouth. Okay, so now 
a shekel was, it was a Greek coin that was worth four drachma. Okay, so, so Jesus tells Peter, the first fish you catch on this line will have the perfect amount in its mouth so that you can go and pay this temple tax for the both of us. Now, that is, again, that's all we hear about this, this miracle, right? Jesus tells Peter to go fishing, to pay for that tax, but we never really hear if Peter does it or not, right? He, we, we just kind of assume, we can assume Peter does it. Hopefully he listens to Jesus this time um, and uses that shekel to pay uh, both of their taxes uh, for him and for Jesus. But the thing I want to focus on is why. The, the, that, that big why, the reason Jesus gave for doing this and paying the temple tax is super, super important. And what Jesus didn't say was, hey, go, go and fish, right? And get this money and pay for the temple tax because we have to, right? Or like we, are, like we have to do this because we are part of the king's family, so we need to pay this tax. No, he didn't say that. Jesus is reasoning for, for going ahead and doing this and paying this, um, even though he didn't need to. I think it's something that's really maybe hard for some of us to swallow or, or a really difficult lesson for some of us to hear. And he says, however, not to give offense to them, go and pay this for both of us, right? Not to give offense to them as to not be offensive to them. Just go and pay this, this tax for us, even though, even though we don't have to, because I am the son of God, right? Who's the temple is for go and pay this tax, we, we don't want to offend them. We don't want to cause any unnecessary offense. And so with that, like that, that, ends, our, that ends our section there. Like that, that's all, that's kind of all we hear. Um, but what I want to do now is I want to kind of go back and give us some application points for us, some things, some very important things that I feel like Jesus is trying to teach Peter here, but also teach us as well about, about how to treat each other. Right, about, about the power and, and provision of, of God and, and really about the benefits of being a part of God's family. So those three things. Um, first, first, I want to talk about this last part that I just mentioned. The reason that Jesus gave for paying this tax to Peter, even though he truthfully, he didn't need to do it. And that's going to be my first point of ap application for us in this passage is that Jesus doesn't want us to cause unnecessary offense. He doesn't want us to cause unnecessary offense. Jesus says, Peter, go and pay this tax so, so as to not offend them. Jesus didn't want to offend them. Now, does that mean that Jesus wasn't offensive? No, not, not at all. In, in fact, like very often in scripture, like, like we, we see people offended by Jesus and who still are today very offended by Jesus. We see in Matthew chapter 11 that we've, we studied a little while ago, uh, Jesus says, blessed are those who are not offended by me. Meaning he, he knew he was offensive, Right? He knew the message he came and the mission he came to accomplish would be offensive for some people. And then since then, since, since Matthew chapter 11, over and over again, we see people being offended by Jesus. So then how is this different? Like how, why now does Jesus care about offending people or not offending 
people. Well, if, if we remember a lot of the times where Jesus was uh, offended, uh, he offended people in the scriptures, he was doing it for others. Right? He was doing it by stand, standing up for those, standing up for the vulnerable, for the weak, for those who were, who were suffering. He was doing it for others. So some examples, when he stood up for the woman who was caught in adultery, we see that in John chapter eight, you know, that, that sentence was passed, right? The, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, like their minds were made up. She was guilty. They brought her to Jesus to see what Jesus would do, what he would say, right? And he stood up for her, right? Which, which offended those, those leaders, and then we see when, when he was talking to the Samaritan woman at the well, right? Like how, how dare he talk to a, to a woman, let alone a Samaritan woman, let alone ask her for, for a drink of water. But he, he, he stood up for her. He had a conversation with her. He helped her realize what she was doing, how she was living a life of sin. And he told her about a life of, of living water. He was, a, he was offensive with how he, he interacted with women, how about the times where he did something on the Sabbath, where he would do something on the Sabbath? He helped his disciples eat and get food on the Sabbath. Remember that one where his disciples were, were hungry and so they went and started picking grain and everything, which is a big no-no on the, on the Sabbath, right? Pharisees called him out on that. Remember that? They said, what you are doing is unlawful. Okay, but he stood up for his disciples and he even said, hey, remember when David did this? Like David did this. Remember that. And he said, I tell you, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And all of that was extremely offensive to the Pharisees. He healed people on the Sabbath all the time. And not only that, like he healed people that people wouldn't have even been around or wanted to go close to, whether it was on the Sabbath or not, but he did it anyways for them. So Jesus, Jesus offended many, many people as he stood up for their needs, like when they were hurting, when they were in pain, he was doing this for other people and it was offensive. And hear me, church, the gospel is offensive. Right? It's already offensive. It was offensive then. It will continue to offend people today. Why? Why is the gospel message so offensive? Well, because it, it tells people that they're sinners. Right? It, it tells us that we're sinners. And I, and I know some people see that and they go, I'm not, whatever, don't call me that. I'm not a sinner. I do good. I do good. I'm not, I'm not that. What are you talking about? Okay. Well, not only that, it also tells them that there, there's no way that they can redeem it themselves. There's no way that they can fix it. Well, then you got people that say, well, like, what do you mean? So first you're calling me a sinner. Now you're saying I can't do anything about it. Like I can't fix it myself. Like you're crazy. Yeah, ex ex exactly. The gospel is offensive because it tells everyone that they are sinners and there's nothing that they can do about it. Like we've said this over, over the past year a lot, especially in our first Samuel series in the, in the spring, that the gospel is good news. But in order to get to the good news, you got to get through the bad news first, right? And the bad news is, is we're all sinners and we cannot save ourselves. The good news, he's already done it for us, right? Jesus did it for us already. He saved us so we don't have to try and save ourselves. That's the good news, but you have to, have to believe in the bad news first, and that offends people. 
It really, really does. So Paul, what Paul says in, in Galatians 5.12, he also talks about, um, he talks about the offense of the cross, right? The, the, cro- the cross tells us that we are sinners, right? The cross is offensive because people who don't believe in, like people who don't believe in the cross, it's offensive because it shows us that we needed someone to pay for our sins. We couldn't do it alone. So then if, if the gospel is offensive, if the cross of Jesus is offensive, then it's okay for us to be offensive, right? Well, no. Like, we, we shouldn't be. Like, the point is, like, the cross of Jesus Christ is already offensive. We, we don't need to help it out, right? We, we shouldn't be. The gospel of Jesus is already offensive today. Like, we, what we need to do is try our best to not be unnecessarily offensive. And, and to, do what, to do what Jesus did here is to say, like, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead as to not cause offense, and I'm, we're going to pay the tax, and why, like, why not cause this unnecessary offense? Well, one thing is we don't want to be a roadblock to people to hearing the gospel and the gospel getting to people. We don't want to be an unnecessary roadblock for that. Like, we, we shouldn't let our pride and our arrogance get in the way of people hearing the gospel message. And hear me, it does it does a lot all the time, whether it's, it's here in this state, in this country, like Christians all over, let our pride get in the way and, and we feel like we need to be offensive in order to like prove a point or something, right? Or, or to shut someone up or to, to speak the truth. And, and to be honest, that's, most of the time that becomes a stumbling block for those people to hear the gospel. Like we get in the way of the good news because we can't seem to just let Jesus and the cross be, be offensive enough. And hear me, Jesus believed here, like, you know what? Like this, this, this isn't worth it. It isn't worth getting a fight over. Let's pay the tax. Even though I don't need to, he said that even though I don't need to, let's be a light to them. Let, let's, let's just do this to maybe show them love and not be a roadblock to them to maybe in the future hearing the gospel later on. Like, like, we don't want that to happen. We don't want to cause unnecessary offense. And, and Christian, I, I, th- I think we need to do the same today. Like, I, th- I think some of us go around and, and just trying to be unnecessarily offensive, right? And it, and it just ends up being a roadblock for those to hear the good news of the gospel. And so my question to you today is, are you getting in the way of people hearing about Jesus for who Jesus is. Whether, whether it might be a neighbor, it might be a neighbor, it might be a coworker, it might be online, typing things, comments, responding to things. Are you being unnecessarily offensive to someone? Or are you being wise and discerning in your responses, in your reactions, in your conversations, especially with those who you don't agree with? with those who are just trying to get you to slip up, right? Trying to say something wrong or, or lashing out at someone. Are you getting in the way of, of the gospel reaching those around you? So I feel like that's, that's the first thing that we can learn from this passage from Jesus. And then my, my second application for us today 
is here we see a perfect example here of how Jesus provides exactly what we need when we need it. All right, so we've, if you've been here a little while, you know we, we like, we've talked about God's provision a lot, even this, this year, but my question to you today is, do you trust God to provide exactly what you need? Or, or do you still get anxious about things? Do you still worry about things coming up? about where things might, will, will come from. Like, where, where's the money going to come from for this? Or where's this opportunity going to be? Do you still worry about the future? And hear this, if you do, if, you're, if we're constantly worrying about the future, anxious about not, not having enough or not knowing where that, that money's going to come from or, or, or what or what amount you need, if that's going to come through. Hear this, if, if God can work in, in a fish, right? Having the perfect amount in its mouth needed. And Peter can go out to a sea and throw one line out and get that exact fish with that exact amount needed for both of them. Is there anything too hard for God to do? Like, is there, is there anything too impossible for God to do? And God can bring you these things that, that we need through anything he wants by any means. So one thing, one question is, so then why in the world would we, would we worry? Why in the world should we be anxious about the future, about what we need? Like God knows exactly what we need, when we need it, and he knows it before we even ask, right? Remember, Jesus came to Peter first and started talking to him because he knew. So trust in that, trust that he will provide and that it will be exactly what you need at the exact right time. Now, you might not think um, it's exactly what you need at, at that time. Like you, you might be expecting more, you might be expecting less, whatever it is, but he knows your needs. He knows your needs better than you know your needs and he will provide for those needs. So that's the, that's the second thing. So the third thing we can learn from this, the third application from this, uh, this text on, on taxes is I think the most important one. Okay, the most important thing we can learn from this passage is that when we are in Christ, we are a part of his royal family, which means we get all the benefits of being a son or daughter of the heavenly father, of the one true King, And what that means is that we are free. We have, we have freedom as a part of Christ's royal family. And, you know, the, um, the, the benefits, you know, the benefits you get from being a part of a family, right? The benefits you have, especially, um, especially kids, right? Kids have a lot of benefits, being a part of a family, living under the, under the roof of their, of their parents. For one, kids get medical insurance until they're 26, right? You're, you're, you're covered for that. Uh, teens, teens might, might uh, have their cell phones paid for under that family plan, right? That's a huge benefit for them. They get to live in their parents' house, obviously. They get to use the bathrooms in their own home, hopefully for free. Um, and what about if you're part of a family of some high importance, right? So some, some prominence, some significance, right? Like, for example, okay, uh, the, the British royal family has some crazy, insane benefits, some weird perks, okay, from being a part of that family. I mean, to start, okay, they get to live in Buckingham Palace, right? Okay, which is 828,000 square feet. 
I mean, picture being a kid in that house, right? With 775 rooms. That's awesome. Um, of course, the, the, the kids get to go to the most prestigious schools. Um, but also, here's some weird ones for you. Uh, one, the king doesn't have to pay any bills. Okay? The queen, when she was alive, um, had someone else break in her shoes for her. I mean, all right, sure, I would take that. Um, the, the king also has someone every single morning squeeze out toothpaste onto his toothbrush every single morning. I didn't even think they brushed their teeth, to be honest, for real. But, but that, that, is, that is a perk of being in their royal family. I know those are weird, but when your family, things are different, right? Like you get special perks when, when you're a child in that family. Man, everything is covered. Like you usually don't have to pay for anything. You're, you're free. Like when me and my family go out to dinner, um, I don't make my six-year-old pay for his, his meal, although I should because he eats like crazy now. Um, but but that's, just, that's part of it. I don't make him or my daughter pay for, for their meals yet because they're free. That's part of being my, my son or my daughter. I've got them covered. Like they don't have to pay. And when, when Jesus confirms this and he, and he, he says to Peter, then the sons are free. He meant the sons and daughters of the king are exempt from paying this tax, right? And therefore he's saying, if you are my son or daughter, you too are exempt. You too are free. Why? Because he's paid for you. He's covered your half, right? Like he, like he covered Peter's tax. And hear me, obviously this is way bigger than taxes, if we put our faith and our hope in Jesus, we're adopted into his family. And that means we get the perks of being called son and daughter. And that's a big, big deal. And when it comes to payments, when it comes to the biggest payment of all, payment for our sins, we're covered. He paid it already. He covered our part we're free from the tax our sin puts on our lives and into eternity because we are his. We are his children. We're exempt from pain. He's paid for us. And that right there, like that's the biggest benefit of being called a son, a daughter, a child of God and being a part of his royal family. And hear me, if you are here today or if you're watching online or wherever you're at and, and, and you aren't a part of his, his family and you're kind of sitting there going, well, I don't think I, don't think I am. Like, like if you're sitting here kind of outside looking in and you're like, you're not sure you're reaping the benefits of that, that he provides as your, as your father, as your king, being a part of his royal family, you can be and you can be today. All you have to do is, is acknowledge him as your father, as your king, and he will adopt you into his family. And you can start living a life off of those benefits and being free from that payment of your sin today, right now. Starting right now for the rest of eternity, God's children are exempt from paying the tax, from the payment of sin and death because Jesus has got you covered. And so my question is, are, are you free? Are you, are you part of the, of the royal family of Christ? 
And as I wrap up, I wanna, I wanna reread what was read um, at the beginning of service over us from, from Romans chapter eight. And then we'll close this out. But Romans chapter eight says, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Will you pray with me, church? Father, we, we come before you today just in, in, in thanksgiving of, of welcoming us into your family. God, we thank you for the perks of being a part of your, of your family, of calling ourselves sons and daughters of the one true king. And Jesus, that the best benefit of all of you, you pain for us, that we are free, that we don't have to live a life trying to repay these things to you, trying to, to make these payments ourselves, God, because you've done it for us already on the cross. And Lord, we thank you for that. And God, we, we pray, like I wanna pray for all those who, um, who, who don't believe in you, yet, God, who, who aren't a part of your family yet, God, that you would just, you would just draw them to you. God, that they will realize, man, I want, I want the benefit of being free, of free from my sin that I don't have to pay for all of eternity, God. And we, we just pray for them and pray that they, um, they, they, they recognize you as Lord and Savior, God, and they come to you, to your cross, to your feet, God and that you just welcome them with open arms into your family. God, we, we, we thank you for that, that truth. God, we also pray for, um, pray for, for help in, in, in being, being unnecessarily offensive. God, I just pray for each of us as we go throughout our, our weeks, as we leave this room and the interactions we have with people that are really just, some of them are just trying to get us to, to say something wrong. To, 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 to stumble, God. And I just pray that we are wise, that we are discerning in what we say back, God. And we, we allow you and your cross and your, 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 the message of your good news of the gospel be offensive enough, God. So God, I, I pray for each and every one of us, whether here in this room or watching online or wherever we're at, God, that you, um, you be with us this week, God. You help us live as sons and daughters of the one true King. And we thank you, God, for paying that for us. We love you, Jesus, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen.